0: Welcome to MoneyWeb at Midday with myself, Nastasia So Coming up is 15 minutes of markets and financial news. We'll be uh, looking back at the week that was with Pietri Riedling-Jesus, the founder of Horenia Capital. Lots of things happened uh, over the week, whether it was uh, Liberty's uh, infrastructure hack that took place and the announcement they made on Sunday and Capitec uh, and uh, I think, All the other, and Grindrod as well, uh, bidding to acquire Mercantile Bank. And there was uh, still discussion over Basil Reid. They've suspended their securities on the JSC. There's lots to discuss, uh, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. We'll have Priyatri to tell us more. Priyatri, it's great chatting to you again. It's been a very long time, uh, but uh, how are the markets doing so far?
1: Good uh good afternoon. Thanks for, for having me. Um yeah, okay, it's been an interesting week. I mean we uh we came off um what like relatively badly on uh uh last week, Friday ish. Uh, Thursday, Friday we, we sort of fell pretty hard um on index level and we've managed to not really recovered too much of that since then. The market's sort of been going sideways. It's been actually a week marred by a relatively volatile movement in our our, our exchange rate um, and some pretty big moves in the, in the underlying sort of local stocks based uh, likes of the banks and the retailers and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened over the week and whether it was PPC, Moraine Roberts and the Aton deal, uh, Liberty, KepiTech, which one of those did you manage to have a look at?
1: Um, well, I guess a number of them uh, here and there. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the Basil Reed thing was an interesting move for me that they, that they decided to suspend their share and that was uh, very interesting. That was voluntary as well. Uh, not something that I've seen and uh, well, not something that you see too many times. Yeah. Um, I think to me, though, what, uh, what the majority of the thing was is there was futures closeout that was taking place on Thursday. That was kind of the big, the big ticket number for me. And then we had a potential, uh, well, you know, the MSCI, um, they are the publishers of a number of different market indexes, uh, or indices. Um, they were, Planning to do a reweighting of the MSCI emerging market in uh, emerging market index mm. last night, actually, um, and they turned the you know they turned the opportunity away. They basically said that they will only reweight again in September, which is interesting because if they had done that, the proposed reweighting would see South Africa lose around. of its weighting in the emerging market index and of course with South Africa uh, being predominantly Nussbash really Mm. uh, and Richmond, those two companies would be downweighted significantly in the emerging market index and um, you know that would then lead a lot of uh, uh, index trackers to be forced sellers and we would see quite a bit of today would be a very different story (laughs) Nussbash would be uh, uh, under quite a bit of pressure and it's not so they decided to Rather do the re-weighting, uh, later in September, which I suppose is a sigh of relief. Um, something else that caught my eye is that we have a stable outlook in terms of the ratings agencies that mm. is, uh, was reiterated this week, uh, which is, I suppose, a good sign. Um, it's been a really tough time for the South African consumer. Uh, so to be at least to have a stable outlook reaffirmed is, is uh, a good feeling. However, um there is definitely scope for a rate increase an interest rate increase because we have we have seeing continued sort of uh you know debt levels grow on a consumer basis mm-hmm. so um and consumer con- you know consumer spending is also not really to uh not you know starting to to come under a little bit of pressure so mm-hmm. it seems as though we're in for tougher times um however we have at least have the support of the rating agencies so far um which is uh, a good thing i suppose
0: Have you been paying attention to the Maureen Roberts uh, story?
1: Uh, Not too terribly much, uh, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Not too terribly much. I know that there's... um, Yeah, honestly, no. I'd rather take your lead on
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no problem. But anyway, when it comes to Maureen Roberts, I mean, uh, I looked at the proposal that Eitan had put together and Maureen Roberts wasn't too happy about it. In fact, they had an idea of what... Their own idea, rather, as to where... They value themselves. And the argument then could be made that perhaps because they've done all of this work, all this restructuring and trying to fix themselves, and it, it makes sense for them to have a, an idea of where they see the company going. And if Aton is really interested in buying them, they should be able to have the same vision as well. And then the other argument is uh, that Moran Roberts is tech... Well, Essentially, Avenge is the one that walks away with a better deal here if the Murray and, and Roberts and ton deal comes together because there's stories that, uh, you know, Moray and Roberts will be bailing out the creditors from Avenge. Which side do you sit on when you look at this deal and how it's unfolded and obviously perhaps even taking into consideration all the work that all three of these
1: companies have done? No, it's been a bit it's become a bit of a saga, hasn't it? Yeah. Um I don't know, you know, I think that uh, um I think that we have a situation where I mean Basil Reed has um suspended their shares. <laughs> you know, that is that is uh, sort of a sign of the times. A thing mm-hmm. is trading at twenty four cents, twenty two bid twenty three offer at the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um so I do think that Mayen and Roberts do make a case, you know, they actually still trading around seventeen Rand a share. Yes, the construction companies have been decimated, but out of the bunch that still stand, Money and Roberts stands the strongest. Uh, and I do think that uh, you know, if they're going to be bailing out uh, the shareholders in um and the de- and, and the debts in the other company, uh AUG, um uh, more Ving, sorry, mm. then um you know, I think that the Marion Roberts has a point. You know, if you are the strongest one in the uh, yeah. left in the in the on the playground at the end of what's been a really tough time, then um, you know, they I think that they might make a good case and say to, when they say that, listen, we believe that we are worth more, mm-hmm. not necessarily simply because they're the only survivors, but because they've done the maths and they've built a business that's managed to at least, you know, maybe not thrive, yeah. um, but survive. <laughs>
0: somebody who may have done the maths and uh, I'm sure you may have seen this uh, go throughout social media when it comes to DISCAM and uh, the CFO using about I think 4.1 million of his shares to enter into an off market hedge and uh, you know I think it was RECM's chairman Pete Fallewn tweeting that uh, directors of DISCAM hedging exposure to their own shares not a good sign for this highly priced market darling. So talk to me about this thing where you're hedging, your, um, you know you're betting against? your own shares does it ever work i don't know <laughs> well, like explain to me you know, you're, you're behind saw, the scenes
1: <laughs> yeah we saw uh, neil froneman actually also do about four million, uh, 4 million shares um sent article this morning on mm. uh on Sibanya. yeah we both basically bought a put uh option dated out far i think 2020 so um yeah I don't know it is concerning it's not very bullish when you've got directors and insiders of the business putting on and uh I know that um uh you know with the, with the discount guys you know this is whole luck, but it's a risk collar it's just hedging it's just mm-hmm. that um but if you actually look at the way that they've done it, they've basically bought a massive put option in case you know, the share price comes down, but they don't necessarily lose their money. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's not very uh, encouraging from a shareholder perspective. If you own a company and you know the people who are running it uh, are taking out insurance in case they mess it up, yeah. you know. Um, but what the, what the reasoning is, I'm not really too sure, you know. I think that we have seen uh, retail sales numbers that were very disappointing, uh, particularly the, the mass market numbers that came out um, uh in this week basically the concern there is that massmart would be the company that uh in well historically has been the company that recovers the strongest in terms of sales yeah. uh their sales recover the strongest when there is a uh, any sort of upswing or recovery in the in the local south african economy and now over the last period that we've sort of Anticipated or kind of have been playing this rhetoric of, well, there is this recovery happening, mm-hmm. things are going slightly better, you know, uh, we've had interest rate cuts and so on. We have not seen an increase in uh, mass market sales figures, mm. or not necessarily as big as what was anticipated or as big as it has historically reacted to similar conditions in the economy, which shows that perhaps consumers are more constrained than what we believed and that the actual out there economic picture is different to what we keep telling ourselves when we sit around and have intellectual discussion. And this could potentially be part of the reason why someone uh, at a director level at a retailing business like disc Pharmacies would Mm -hmm. say, well, you know what, maybe a put option here is not necessarily or hedging risk to hedging exposure to my own business is not such a bad idea because uh, if the overall South African economy in which the company operates is not necess- is not doing as well as uh, we 'd like for it to be, and the signs are that we 're going to see interest rate hikes uh, mm-hmm. it 's going to become increasingly more difficult uh, inflation is going to start uh, really climbing with the with the price of oil where it is and so on um, you know it could just be risk management from a personal balance sheet perspective it 's not necessarily very bullish for the share or for yeah. the people who hold the share but um you know, it makes sense to me to if you think about it from a from a macroeconomic perspective that perhaps you know, the the bigger picture um is at play here and that the, you know, these guys don't necessarily become um you know, they don't run big 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 companies like this because they don't think ahead, you know?
0: Hmm. I don't know whether this makes sense we and we're gonna move things um you know, a little further afield and look at the banking industry. So, um Hilton Tarrant, who's one of the journalists who writes for us quite often, uh, had wrote a piece about why Capitech and not Nedbank or the PIC or Grinrod should buy Mercantile Bank. What do you make of that? It should be should it be Capitech that buys it, and what kind of synergies could there be there?
1: I haven't read the um, the, uh, the the piece that Hilton wrote, actually, mm-hmm. much to my dismay. I'll go and read it now after this conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, But, uh, you know, I did sort of hear, you know, it was interesting to me to see that Capitech had actually made a bid for it, Mm. uh, particularly with this backdrop of Capitech's going to go bust, uh, run for the hills, Viceroy, you know. Yeah. Um, So it could be a double bluff, I guess, from their side. Um, But no, I think it's interesting because it's almost like the the one feature that they don't necessarily have at Capitech. Mm. For example, all the major banks, uh, have a forex desk, for example, that you can trade uh, currency. You can do uh, in, you can do business internationally, and Capitech can't offer that at this yeah. stage. If they buy Mercantile, well, then they have access to uh, um, you know, then they finally can provide that service. For example, I know there's a lot of people, small businesses, individuals, whatever, that use Mercantile foreign currency accounts mm. uh, because they're cheap. They're like really, there's no monthly account fee. Uh, the transaction fees, the the brokerage rates for for buying and selling of currency, um, and it's not forex trading. This is actually like buying dollars and sending it to America kind of stuff. Yeah, um, is really really low. And if you compare that to the likes of S and Standard Bank and all the other big major uh, sort of you know big five banks or big four banks that make the service available, Mercantile are like less than half the price. It's a lot cheaper. So it feels as though uh, Mercantile and Capitec will be a good match because already Mercantile has positioned themselves in a uh, sort of no fuss, easy access, Mm. uh, really strong service delivery, um, you know, corporate business transactional account uh, that they are making available to people who want to do business internationally. And Capitech is sort of missing that from their stable. So to me, I actually am quite supportive of the idea
0: uh, of
1: of Capitech and Mercantile.
0: Okay, cool. So, what will you be keeping an eye on, say, towards the rest for the rest of the day, and you know, going into next week?
1: Well, for the rest of today, uh, at three o'clock, Nasdaq is reporting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Their results are coming out, so uh, I suppose we want to just see. Uh, it's hard to say, really, what we're looking for. Um, expectations, really, EPS of uh, what sixty-four, uh, sales of six point seven billion. Um, operating profit looking for 59 uh, million. These are all in dollars. Mm. So it's going to be, yeah, I suppose those are the expectations. We'll see whether or not they deliver. Uh, for the rest of this day, that is pretty much it. For the rest of uh, the month, I guess we've only really got a week left, so not yeah. too terribly much. I'm quite keen to see what happens with Iran because, mm. um, I mean, we were trading 14, I mean, 1390, uh, just a few days ago. Um and it's been tremendously it's been tremendously weak over the last two weeks and it, I wonder if now the last three days that we've seen a little bit of strength coming in, wow. whether or not that's gonna last. Uh and we maybe come back down to thirteen twenty or if you know, we if we get up and above fourteen, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> well we
0: <we're> thirteen <laughs> so, fifty one, we'll, so let's uh we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah. So um I don't know, I guess just stay uh, also, the U.S. has now done eight consecutive days of the Dow Jones Industrial Average at least, eight consecutive days mm. of down. So, uh, I mean, I know that just because it keeps going down doesn't mean that it's going to bounce. But yeah. uh, I'm sort of expecting a bounce. I think a bounce would be quite nice to see a bit of a relief early coming from the uh, from the U.S. That could mm. spill into our market. And, um, you know, I'd like to see some of these banks getting back up to the highs that they were at. But that, of course, needs a stronger end to play along. So, I don't know. We'll see.
0: All right, Piatri, thank you so much for your time. That's Piatri Redling-Hayes, who's the founder at Horenia Capital. That's it for me, Nastasia Arensa. I will be with you for the next couple of days next week. So uh, tune in. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader
1: in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saika.co.za.